You're listening to the podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, with Valerie Koo and Allison Tate. Valerie is an author, journalist, and national director of the Australian Writers Centre, which is one of the world's leading providers of online and classroom courses for people who want to get published and write with confidence. Alison Tate is a freelance writer, blogger, and author of the best-selling series, The Mapmaker Chronicles. She has more than 20 years professional writing experience. Each week, they explore the world of writing, publishing, and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers, and much more. With students enrolling from all over the world, you can find out more about the Australian Writers' Centre at writerscentre.com.au. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 145 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Alison Tate. How are you, Al? I'm I'm okay, Val. It's, you know, I'm just, it's Friday. I'm cruising into the weekend. The boys yes. go back to school next week. I'm just getting through. That's good. Well, mm. we have a mini-sode for our listeners, don't we? We do. Now, our mini-sode, if you're new to us, is a break from our regular programming. Well, we have our regular full podcast every week and a lot of people have been giving us the feedback that they actually want more. So we are dropping midweek, so you don't have to wait so long for the next episode, a mini-sode where we answer our listener questions. Now, there's some Oh, great questions coming in. And if you would like us to answer your questions about writing and publishing, then do email us podcast at writercenter.com.au. So that's podcast at writercenter.com.au. Try and keep your questions succinct, but obviously give us enough information so we don't have to guess because, um, you know, we want to give you a proper answer. So if, mm. if you're too vague about certain things, it's, it's, it's a bit difficult. But, yeah, we would love to answer your questions. Now, we do want to give a shout-out to, to smithchristopher.au. Now, smithchristopher.au, who I assume is Christopher Smith from Australia, uh, has left us a review on iTunes and they've said fun and informative and said, I really enjoy listening every week to gain some insight into the world of writing. Valerie and Alison present in a relaxed tone, which makes it so easy to listen and enjoy. Love the author profiles and extra resources and tips. Thanks, ladies. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, thank so you very much. much. Yes. And also, I just want to say thank you very much to all of the people who contacted us via various forms of social media to say how much they enjoyed last week's mini-sode yes. because um, it's we love your feedback um, yes. no matter where or how you may wish to get it to us. We do love your feedback. It really um, it helps us to know that what we're doing is useful and helpful to you. So, you know, let us know what you think. We're, we're very happy to hear it. Absolutely. Connect with us and let us know. And if you mm. do have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes like smithchristopher.au, we'd be really grateful So, because uh, it certainly helps us in the rankings. Now, in these mini-sodes, we are talking about some daily writing routines of writers, aren't we, Al? 
We are, and I've actually been really enjoying um, researching those because I think finding out how other people do things is uh, is always very, very interesting, particularly famous writers because I think we have this idea that they're all living in garrets and starving and <laughs> all of that sort of stuff or, you know, uh, in a par- Parisian coffee shop, you know, with a typewriter perhaps. Um, but anyway, I found a great uh, post at jamesclear.com and it's the 12, it's the daily routines of 12 famous writers. And there was one there that particularly spoke to me. And I'm sure once I read it to you, you will understand why, particularly if you listen to last week's episode and how much the Maggie O'Farrell writing routine spoke to me. Um, This is an interview uh, with in the Paris Review with E.B. White, the famous author of Charlotte's Web, and he's talking about his daily writing routine. And I thought I would just read you a little bit of that so that you get an idea of how E.B. E.B. White went about writing. So he says, he says, I never listen to music when I'm working. I haven't that kind of attentiveness and I wouldn't like it at all. On the other hand, I'm able to work fairly well among ordinary distractions. My house has a living room that is at the core of everything that goes on. It is a passageway to the cellar, to the kitchen, to the closet where the phone lives. There's a lot of traffic, but it's a bright, cheerful room and I often use it as a room to write in despite the carnival that is going on all around me. In consequence, the members of my house household never pay the slightest attention to my being a writing man. They make all the noise and fuss they want to. If I get sick of it, I have places I can go. A writer who waits for ideal conditions under which to work will die without putting a word on paper. Wow. Okay. We'll die without putting a e. word B. on paper. White. I love you because this is exactly, <laughs> I think, so my writing office is right in the middle of the house. It is in, because we live in an old house, which has a sun, you know, the built-in veranda with the sunroom yes. to one yes. side. So mine is the room that has the two doorways, one of which leads out to the sunroom. It is the circus. It's the center of the circus and it all goes on around me all the time. And I, so I fully relate to that because I think if you, have to have total and utter silence, then you need to go somewhere else. I tend to go to the same place but at night when everyone's asleep, but that's um, the way it works. But I also never listen to music when I'm working. I I just really like it to be, you know, just normal. I know people who can write whilst listening to ACDC. I am not one of them. How, what would happen if you did listen to music? Like, could you concentrate or like? No, it would just irritate me. I, I think yeah. I would just find it really annoying. Yeah, really, really annoying. Even so if I, it didn't have words? Uh, even if it didn't have words. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, think I, I find that um, it depends on what I'm writing and it depends on the level of concentration, I suppose. I I certainly can't. If I'm writing original stuff, I mean, I mean, obviously, I'm always writing original stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if I'm, I can't listen to words with lyrics because I'm always tempted to sing along. Yeah. So I do choose either classical music or jazz with no lyrics, and I do find some of that quite useful if I'm working on something that's hard to express or, or whatever. I, I try and pick music that will somehow go with it, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, I know that some authors, for example, if they're writing 
you know, something set in the 1920s. They might have a playlist of 1920s yeah. song. And I remember yeah. when I spoke to Michael Cunningham and when he was writing his books, he had very specific playlists that he would play as soon as he got into his office. So he, has, he had a dedicated space that he would walk to a few blocks from his apartment in New York and he would walk in there and then turn on this playlist and really get into that world and get into the characters. Um, so it can certainly help for you to get into a particular mood. But generally, yeah, I can't – I don't write with music unless it's, there's no words. Mm, okay. Well, there you go. So, so – All right. So shall we move on to our listener questions this week? Let's do that. Right. So Bill has asked us a question. Now, Bill has said, Firstly, I love the podcast. I'm a nouveau avid listener and relishing catching up on many of the previous podcasts. I do have a burning question and I hope you can offer some advice. For reasons of my own, I really do not want to publish under my actual name for my first book. I understand that the industry is focused on spotlighting the author, the prospect of which is making me quite bilious. Oh. I, w- I would much rather just write a nice story and not have to deal with author bios and social media, blah, blah, blah. My original intent was to publish under a pen name, but I'm beginning to realize that in this day and age, this may be harder to achieve than initially thought. My question is, how far do you go in marketing under a pen name? I feel like I'm starting to create a character in my novel masquerading as the author. Mm. So that is a good question. Good question. It is. I think it's important to realise that, you know, I, I, underst- I do understand that people d- don't necessarily want to write, um, you know, under their own names. And, I mean, we. I think it's important to realise, though, that at some point it will come out because we only have to look at yep. Elena Ferrante and yep. all the furore around that recently to see that there's a definite possibility. So even if you write under a pen name and market your book and set up all your platforms, it's worth knowing that you may well be unmasked. And if you are unmasked, you need to be happy that what you've written is going to be in the public domain with your name on it. So I think that that's something you always have to keep in your head, even if you're wanting to publish under a pen name, it's really important to know that um, that there is always the chance that someone will know will find out well, it's you, etc. Um, Nikki Jemmel, who wrote the Bride Strip Bear, not under Precisely. her name, and she yep. was outed. So did Belle de Jour, who was outed. Um, yep. So, like, there are countless examples. There are. So yes, the chance, like, you, you can set up your entire platform under a pen name. There is no issue with that. You can set up all your social media. You can create your website. You can do all of those things. You can answer your social media. You know those publisher Q and As. You know, uh, as I mean, you would you would give correct answer. You would give your own answers, but they would just have a different name on them. Like you're not going to make up an entire character, but um, you just need to be aware that the chances of you staying anonymous, particularly in this day and age, are relatively small. Yes, absolutely. And also, Mm. um, yeah, you're right. In terms of the 
of the legality, <laughs> I can't speak. In terms of the legalities, there's nothing wrong with setting up social media platforms under your pen names. As we know, Not at all. for example, um, Pamela Freeman, who has written like over 30 books and mm. teaches at the Australian Writers' Centre, she also writes under the name of Pamela Hart. And, mm. and do, but she doesn't shy away from that. She makes it very clear she writes under two names. Same mm. with L.A. Larkin writes crime and thriller books, but her other name, Louisa Larkin, she writes um, other kinds of books. Mm. Uh, so it's it's totally fine, but those people don't um, hide the fact that of you know that they're the person behind that particular pen name. So no. yeah, I think. Well, look at me; I have one. Alt. That's right. That's I mean, it's not exactly, a, as I say to the kids when I do my author presentation, this is my secret, not very secret, you know, <laughs> writing name. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, it, it, it's because the stuff I write for kids is different to the nonfiction stuff I've written for adults. So yes. it just gives a definite break in the brand basically, yeah. Yes. Now mm. I did ask Bill for a little bit more clarity and one of the things he said that, um, you know, listening to one of your podcasts, I noted the author's interview from a publisher and the questions asked in establishing an author's bio, which filled me with horrors at having to answer such questions with a pen name. I'm self, If I am self-publishing, my natural instinct would be not to market altogether, but understand that would not be in my best interest. I was just wondering what advice you would give somebody that would actually prefer to be anonymous as an author in an industry that would make such a possibility incredibly difficult. So, I mean, that's that's. thank you for clarifying that, Bill, but I think that, and we're not sure what your reasons are for mm. wanting to write under a pen name, but uh, as Alison said, you're probably going to get outed anyway. And, um, uh, and it's just... You can certainly do all of those things where you've just said where you're not marketing at all, but it's just harder. You're just not mm. going to sell as many books. It's as mm. simple as that, yeah. So it might not be what you want to hear. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, at the end of the day, Bill, maybe what you want to do is write your story and not publish it. Like if you want it to, if you really want it to be a total secret that it's you, Maybe you're just writing it for yourself. Maybe you're just yeah. getting it down on paper for yourself, or perhaps you want to do just a small run, a small self-publish, a small print run for, you know, people, a small, you know, set of people, which is also, you know, totally fabulous and fine. Um, but you just, if you are going to put it out into the broader domain, um, you have to think about the fact that it, you know, it's it needs to be a. It, you need to be happy with the fact that if people do find out that it's you, it's not it's not going to be difficult for you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Now, and this might this is a little bit different sort of advice, but I was talking to an author the other day, maybe about two months ago, and she was saying that you know she just felt she she didn't want to appear like a shameless self promoter, and she didn't want to um, she couldn't get over imposter syndrome. Am I really mm. an author? Mm. And I, she said, "What should I do?" And I said, "Well." Logic tells me you've got two choices. You either get over it or you don't get over it. So wouldn't it be better to get over it? Mm. And if you need help in getting over it, whether that's dealing with a coach or a psychologist or whatever, seek the help to actually get over imposter syndrome because mm. then your life will be a lot easier. <laughs> so true. Yes. So we have our second question from Simone. Simone has said, I've just found the podcast today. And um, uh, she said, I, th I thought I'd let you know what my main stumbling block is. 
where to start. I currently write a blog on my specialty, which is feeding fussy children. Yet I have a book idea that I am in the midst of writing and would love to know more about different avenues for publishing. My book is a combination of parenting humour mixed with my passion for evidence-based feeding therapy. I have no idea what evidence-based feeding therapy is. Do you know me either. No, but I have to tell you that she had me with feeding fussy children, so that should be the that should be the name of the book. And I love the fact that she's already got a blog there, so she has a platform for that particular subject. Because as the parent of one particular child, I won't mention which one, who continues even at ten to be, you know. I mean, he goes all right now, but he's still not what you'd call a broad eater. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, like a few years ago, maybe when he was about four, three or four, I would have wolfed down a book on feeding fussy children. Trust me. Right. Yeah, that is mm. a great name for a book, isn't it? Mm. Feeding mm. fussy children. So mm. it sounds like, Simone, that you want to write a nonfiction book that is going to be, I am assuming that evidence-based feeding therapy has something to do with feeding fussy children. Um, mm. So hopefully I'm right, but if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But I assume that your book is going to be something to do with that and you want to in- include some humour in-, in-, in it as well, which is which is fine. It makes sense. So a nonfiction book about your area of expertise. So uh, there are a couple of different options here. One is to go down a tr- the route of a traditional publisher and if that is the case, you would need to kind of like find go to the uh, big bookshop find similar books, um, not necessarily specifically about feeding fussy children, but something to do with feeding and children, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and find the publishers in that big bookshop that publish those books. And those are the kind of publishers that are most likely, more likely to be interested in your books because you can't just pitch your idea to any publisher because some of them will just are just not interested in such books. So you want to pitch your idea to the publishers who have a track record in those sorts of books. The and then you know and then basically it needs they need to think that it's saleable and marketable um, that it has a, a broad market and that it will sell. The other option, and this might be the case if you're if you have a niche topic, like I'm not sure how niche your book topic is going to be. The other option is self-publishing, which particularly in the world of nonfiction is in gaining popularity because mm-hmm. by way of example what's the book that I saw literally this morning um it was about procure, procurement for mid-market companies mm. now that's so specific and it's got a lot of really useful information on procurement for mid-market companies but it's not the sort of book that you're going to find in Dimmux, right because it doesn't have mass appeal but the author knows the exact hands he needs to get that book into, yeah? Yeah. And he knows that he maybe only needs to publish 200 copies, but Mm -hmm. as long as they get into the right hands, that's all he cares about. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine, Victor, he gave away, I can't remember if it was 100 or 200 books at a conference, like gave away for free. And people were like, oh, my God, you should be selling them. But anyway, he gave them away. But as a result of that exact conference, he got $100,000 worth of consulting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it depends on what your goals are. But, yes, there's traditional publishing and there's self-publishing. You, you are, are your two main avenues anyway. 
Yeah, and uh, I've put a link in the show notes to a, a blog post that I wrote a couple of years ago now, which is called How to Write a Book Proposal. And it is uh, tips from a publisher on how to put together a book proposal for a nonfiction book, specifically for a nonfiction book. Um, because if you are going to approach a traditional publisher with your book, you will need to create a, um, a proposal for that book, which is, you know, why they need to publish your book, why you need to be the person that writes it, what else is out there in the market that this could be compared to, who your audience is, like who's going to read it. The fact that you have a blog is important. You can put your blog statistics in and the kinds of people that are coming to your, maybe run a survey, find out who exactly is visiting your blog, um, all of those kinds of things. So maybe have a look at that particular blog post to give you an idea of where to start. Fantastic. And also, Simone, you might be interested in a course that I'm literally about to launch. It's only a couple of weeks away and it is called Build Your Book, Grow Your Business by Writing About Your Expertise or About Your Knowledge. Hmm. So if you want to find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash build your book. So writercentre.com.au slash build your book. And it's specifically for nonfiction authors who want to showcase their knowledge in a book. Hmm. All right. So there we go. That's uh, Simone's question. Now, if you have a question for us, make sure that you email us podcast at writercentre.com.au. So what are you doing this weekend, Al, since we're at the end of our mini-sode? I am, uh, oh, you know what? I'm taking what, my what, son, what? My, I'm taking my son and my husband are heading yes. off to uh, to Sydney to see Jasper Jones at the Belvoir Street oh, Theatre. Wow. So uh, Book Boy, who has his blog at bookboy.com.au, Jasper Jones is one of his favourite books of all time. Yes. So they're going off to see the, the play and I am taking my younger son, he of the fussy eating, to um, something fun. We don't know what yet, but we're going to go and have some fun somewhere. Oh, so that's what I- we're doing um in the preparation for the lead up to school yeah right i'm keen to know what they think of Mm. uh, jasper jones i mean that's just been so successful it's such a australian success story isn't Mm. it it um, is and there's a movie coming in march which uh he's also excited about yeah wow i remember interviewing craig when he was like 19 or 20 Mm. or something ridiculously young Mm. Let's, he's just gone from strength to strength. Craig Sylvie, of course, who wrote Jasper Chats. Um, mm. All right. Well, where do we find you online, Al? Until then. You will find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T. And you will find me on Instagram and Facebook at Alison Tate Writer. Fantastic. And you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O. And feel free to connect with uh, me on Facebook and also feel free to reach out to either of us on social media to let us know what you think of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.